James. Hey, Duncan. How are you, dude? I'm all right, mate. Um, I don't get to have a holiday like some people, but I'm making the most of it. Oh, well, what are we talking about today and what's Cloud Streaks? All right. Welcome to Cloud Streaks, a podcast where Duncan and I like to get together in a, um, every now and then to talk about a topic or something that we found really interesting recently. And I don't know if there's anything more interesting than the recent release of Tim Urban's new book, What's Our Problem? So before we go into the details, Duncan, what is your problem? Uh, well, right now, my problem is that you're wearing headphones and that the microphone is not very good and that it's making the things distort. So any chance you can remove them and just talk to the speaker computer because the, the, the microphone and the computer is way better. Um, well, well, let's get into this. We're talk about this. I'm currently at my um, parents' place and there is chocolate everywhere. <laughs> Well-intentioned. It's treats as far as it's a full-on minefield. And so you walk into the kitchen area and there's like four bogeys, like chocolate. Like, and this is like, this is not like some, you know, bad chocolate. It's like mint, you know, nice. Like, oh, look at these little like almonds, you know, chocolate coated almonds from Cocoa Black or whatever else it is. And you're like, oh, so I want one, I want one so bad. And honestly, it's like makes you scared to go into the kitchen because then you have to have this battle. There's like never ending battle about whether you're going to be able to control yourself from eating chocolate. And at my house, um, where I live by myself, there's no chocolate in the house at all because I don't try to make my environment work for me and I don't have to have this battle all day, every day. I can see your struggles, Duncan, and I empathize with you, but I like chocolate and I'll eat chocolate when it's around me. But my problem is I don't like Skittles. I don't have any, uh, I don't see any appeal in eating a Skittle to me that it's overwhelming, the sweetness. But when there's Skittles on the table in front of me, something else inside of me goes like, dude, just, just, take a couple of Skittles, like have some Skittles. I'm like, no, I don't want to have the Skittles. I'm not going to feel good afterwards. It makes me sick and I don't enjoy them. But there is another thing going on. There's this internal turmoil comp compelling me to eat the Skittles. And that's my problem because I don't know how many times during the day that I am unaware of this internal conflict of something compelling me to do something that I don't want to do. And that worries me. So I think we can extrapolate that out to... The topic of what's our problem, which is um, for me a really, really, um, you know, it builds on the the blog series that he wrote a while ago called Story of Us. Who's uh, he? So Tim Urban, uh, vlogger extraordinaire, forty-one Wait, years old, Facebooker. Sorry. So, so what did you say? Wait, no, the blog is wait, but why? Wait, but why? I heard you say Facebooker, and I'm like, that no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you needed that up. So Tim Urban, who is the blogger behind Wait, but why, and has written a number of things. We actually did an entire podcast series on every single one of the blogs from the story of us. Has turned the story of us into a book called What's Our Problem, and in my opinion, developed a number of the ideas quite significantly from what the blog was sort of two, three years ago. Um, and that's what we're talking about today. And do you want to talk about this? Like, so there's the um, primitive mind and the higher mind is one of the concepts that vary on. And the primitive mind wants to eat Skittles and chocolate. Excuse me. And that's because we, you know, in the past died of starvation, not overeating. We had um, a deficit of food, not an abundance of food. 
And now in the developed world, more food, you know, too much food is a much bigger problem than not enough food. And you see, you know, diabetes, obesity, epidemic, all that other jazz. And so that's, I think, what we were talking about just then. Yeah. So just quickly on that, one of the analogies I appreciated the most in his book was the moths that fly around the street lamps. Mm-hmm. So like for me, I'd always thought that they were just attracted to it for some reason that I hadn't fully thought through. But um, the way he explained it is that moths for thousands or even millions of years, I don't know how long, would use the moonlight as a source of navigation. And so there's just been, with the advent of electricity and streetlights at nighttime, uh, moths have had effectively zero chance to adapt uh, biologically to the changes in how they use the moonlight to navigate. And so they're all just like waffling around this streetlight completely confused. And the idea is that I feel what Tim Urban was saying is we as human beings are like moths hovering around a streetlight in this modern world where our brains that have evolved over a very, very long period of time has not had the chance to adapt to a world where things like Skittles are abundant and we don't know how to fully um, you know, acclimatise to that. Mm. I think that's not actually the, the most interesting part to me of, of what the book is, and I'm only about halfway through. Um, to me, the most important part is talking about the different ways of thinking. And I don't think those are necessarily biologically in there. They're just different ways. So yes, you're attracted to chocolate and you go to try to like, you know, or food, override it. Uh, and so you don't just eat all day and become, you know, obese and unhealthy, etc. cetera. Um, but to me, there's like lower order thinking and higher order thinking. Um, and I think that what I was most interested to talk about is how these different models can apply in different places. Um, and so my sort of favorite quote is, I don't care what you think, I care how you think. So are you thinking high order, kind of like a scientist? Or are you thinking lower order in a tribal fashion where you're not trying to necessarily find out what works, find out what is objectively true? You're trying to, you know, for instance, enforce your views. Um, and so to me, um, you know, there's the concept of closed societies and open societies from Karl Popper, which we've talked about a bit. An open society, the laws and the sort of principles are meant to change over time. Whereas a closed society, they are fixed. So they are whatever's in the Bible or whatever the king says or whatever the Quran says. And I think that we've seen that the future is different today and that no rules is anarchy and variable rules is tyranny. And so what you ideally have is a set of positive sum principles, which, for instance, stop the thing that you think is bad whilst interfering with superordinate outcomes, i.e. other outcomes as little as possible. And that that leads to a better outcome. So as an example, in Australia, we have more laws than we've ever had before, also known as things you cannot do. But there are also more things that we can do than ever before. There are more jobs, there's more you know, activities to do. And so these rules net net are positive sum. Um, and so to me, I think that the concept of an open society is a significantly better one than a closed society where laws are fixed. And if we are to have an open society, we need to be able to update those laws and have them change over time. And so to me, this is a crucial component to a well-functioning, you know, liberal democracy, which is the best system people have found, I think. And just one example before I pause, you know, they used to have hangings about 50, 60 years ago. Then they stopped the state from killing anybody like that. Then there was nobody. And now we have legalized euthanasia. Yeah, there are a lot of rules around it. And I think there should be. But that is massive value change. You know, most people today are, no, you shouldn't be hanging people or you shouldn't be doing corporal punishment at schools. And my parents went to school. People got the cane, you know, if you, if you messed up, you know, the headmaster came and whacked you. Um, so, you know, if the headmaster's doing that today, there'll be a big troubles and they bloody well should be, if you ask me, right? 
Um, so to me, this is massive value or culture change, and I think is important. So that's actually, I think, how societies should be set up, is to allow things to shift with the way they are, and that's meaning a diversity of ideas and debate. Yeah, so uh, a litany of concepts there, um, more than enough for us to go through over the next hour, but, um, you know, things like high order thinking, lower order thinking, open society, closed society. Um, what I think is really interesting about those concepts is at least, um, you know, when talking to you, Duncan, hearing you say those things on the face of it, they sound very, um, they sound very straightforward and very logical. Like, why wouldn't you want an open society? Why wouldn't you want to be thinking high order thinking? Um, but we have a problem and we have a problem. And that's what I think, um, you know, well, that to your point is what Tim Urban has spent the last six years, the self-proclaimed procrastinator, um, writing this book. And so I'm going to give you my take on what he um, writes the, or what he uh, proclaims the problem as being. And I'll, 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 you know, be interested to see what you think about it. But for me, uh, the way he outlines is that for hundreds of thousands of years, humanity has been operating under the power games model, right? So essentially, you can do anything you want as long as you have the power to do so. Only in the last few hundred years, we've taken on a new model, which is the liberty games, where we could instead do whatever we want as long as it causes no harm to others. This invariably also led to the greatest boon in our quality of life. So, you know, overly generalizing, but this is likely due to shifting from compulsion to persuasion tactics. However, the higher mind, which is that, um, you know, higher order thinking that is required to operate this system is increasingly coming under attack from recent changes that are instead turbocharging our primitive minds, threatening to pull us back into the archaic power games once again, this time with a lot more at stake. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, again, like I, I think I try to bring it into like, the example town. Um, so to me, one, one thing, you know, you, you kind of want to have, like, I don't know, the press, the third estate is your community. like, hopefully the base of facts required to be able to operate well and then you want diverse opinions about those facts and so making false facts like the election was stolen is not good but also omitting key facts which enable you to put forward an opinion which seems reasonable but is actually not helpful for the common good is, is just as bad as me to me as for instance putting false facts in there. and i think there's some examples of democrats omitting facts so for instance some of the things around the vaccine, et cetera. You know, was there the Wuhan leak, you know, with, with you know, Fauci, et cetera, that are causing, you know, um, hypotheses or opinions that are not good. But then you want diverse opinions. Uh, you also don't want to represent opinions as facts. Um, so as an example, like, should we be updating laws constantly? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and to me, things that don't allow things to be updated or to have diverse opinions I think are net regress. They force you know adherence to this. So to me, something that's lower order doesn't want different opinions to be heard and doesn't want them to be seen as helping to move things forward. So we're not talking about false facts. We're not talking about omitting facts are important. Both of those things are very important. Um, we're talking about diversity of opinions here. And so as an example, religions, they need you to you know, adhere to whatever the you know rules there are. And if you don't like those rules, then you get excommunicated, kicked out of the society. And if the religion is very prevalent, that could mean death of you because everyone is part of this. I would argue that Trump was trying to create a cult. You know, you have to believe what he believes. And if you don't believe that, you get kicked out. It's bad. 
He does not want diversity of opinion at all. Um, also, I would argue that Trump was also pushing a lot of false facts as well. So he was double bad, <laughs> right? Um, but I'm going to argue that there's similarity between religion and Trump, but also there's similarity between woke culture and Trump and religion. So woke, they want diversity in everything except opinion. And I would argue that that is the core area you want diversity in because that's how we update our values in society and move forward. And so, for instance, if you have a different point of view, so you might be, for instance, for, I don't know, transsexuals post 18, but you're not sure about giving 10-year-old children puberty blockers. Even saying that is diverse opinion and can get you cancelled, aka excommunicated, for being, you know, against their opinion, right? And so to me, I think that it's well-intentioned, but that they, and they'll say, you're a transphobe. They're like, no, I'm not that. I'm fine with trans, you know, it's just that, for instance, and this is not actually my opinion, I don't know if puberty blockers for 10-year-olds are a great idea and I'd like to have a discussion about it. So to me, I think it's extraordinarily important that, you know, you are differentiating between facts and opinions um, and false facts you to push back on and they're not great or omission of the facts you do too, but diverse opinions you should support. And that isn't necessarily somebody who is morally bad or something. You're allowed to, like, should we increase immigration? Should we decrease immigration? Should we have, you know, and a different education policy. That's fine. If someone has it, they're not the morally corrupt and you don't need to go yell and scream and force them to, you know, adhere to whatever value you have. That is the same as a religion. That is the same as Trump. And I think that they don't necessarily understand this work culture. Doesn't understand this. They've got this tool called cancel culture, which they are using as a cudgel to bludgeon people into adherence, like blind adherence, like a cult. Yeah, so I think... One of the biggest challenges with work culture is like other echo chambers or lower order thinking, uh, it appears that they're operating under the guise of self-righteousness, right? So they believe in, well, the belief set is that you have, uh, you know, underrepresented minorities or you have displaced, um, you know, parts of the population that they're trying to, uh, stand up for, such as the LGBTQ plus community, um, whether it's particular race, whether it's particular class, all of these different aspects. And from what I understand is they deploy this cudgel, which is cancelling a person who exhibits any ideology outside of their own, because they see those people as a threat, as a real world threat to being able to um, and that's where it's difficult because for me they're operating on you know a level of Maslow's hierarchy which is synonymous to their own survival uh, because they believe that if you you know when, when you hear people say things like words equal violence they think that that's an, a real violent threat to their life uh, to their well-being and so this is why it's really difficult and I I agree Duncan that we should be able to have open discussion. We should be able to challenge our own assumptions or our own hypotheses. Uh, but we should also be able to call into awareness that when somebody's, uh, you know, worldview means that you can't comport with someone else's, then that's a way of thinking that can lead down a very, very slippery slope very quickly. Yeah, um, I think this is really important. Um, we want diverse thought. 
And so even if that means something that people don't agree with you, because that's how we update things over time. Um, so there's either a system of justice or a system of revenge. There's either the rule of law or the rule of power. And this is a form. So the rule of power or the system, system of revenge is a totalitarian state. So when people feel that the best way, if someone has a different opinion to you, not different facts, is to yell and scream and to try to have them cancelled so that you are effectively suppressing speech, you are suppressing, you know, multiple opinions, is the right thing to do. This is called a, um, a police state or a surveillance state. This is like, oh, yeah, you're literally getting into thought crime territory or you're having Stalin, you know, you're having Xi Jinping. I don't think most people want to go and, you know, live uh, in China and where if you say something against the Chinese Communist Party, you're going to get kind of locked up, whatever. So to me, we want, I think, to, yes, there's a you, you want to have the facts. This is where it gets even more annoying. It's very hard to know what the facts are that are real. And so the First Amendment actually protects your right to say things that are wrong. And that, because it is the best strategy they're aware of, to be able to figure out what the actual facts are. It's like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. So you are saying that someone can say something that is a lie and that is a good way to get to what the true facts are. And I'm like, it took me a while to wrap my head around that one. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, well, how, well, what's the other option? You have a ministry of truth that arbitrarily determines what is true and not. And, this part is, and then if that truth thing gets turned against you, you're in big trouble <laughs> because they can have someone take the reins and then warp everything, right? Um, so to me, this is not saying that, for instance, I don't think, I don't know, we want to move towards more climate change. It's not saying that I don't think, you know, that, that you know, trans people are real. I do. Um, I'm just saying that we should be able to, I care not what you think, I care how you think, have open debates about these things. And I feel that Trump didn't want to have discussions and debates. It was his way or this, you know, religions don't, and neither do the woke side so you know the whole voltaire i don't agree with what you say but i will fight to the death for your right to say it mm. is now work culture i don't agree with what you say and i will fight to the death to get you cancelled work culture and so to me this is about not what you think it's about how you think i believe very deeply that yes you want to have the base set of facts so you can have you know proper synthesis and actually we can get into this what are the base facts and do you need to debate them which is a somewhat annoying um but I'm talking just about the layer of opinions. Then you want diverse opinions. You actually want to hear. And so to me, this is one of what these series did three years ago. You want to try to understand, I think, what the different opinions out there are and why they are there. And you want to be able to discuss things with people. So things have shifted monumentally over time. I just talked about, you know, killing. And I think you should expect them to be the case in the future. If you never, you know, if you um, haven't changed your mind about anything, then you are by definition an ideologue. <laughs> and so we've changed our minds about so many, so many things, and we should expect that to be the case into the future, and that this is the best operating system. Either everything is exactly the same and it never changes, and there's a perfect set of rules, or no, the future is different to today, unpredictable, and things might shift. And so we want to be able to update, you know, what we are thinking, the system and the rules, the laws are never done. And I think the latter is clearly a better, you know, approximation of the world. And for that to function well, you need multiple opinions to be heard and to be, you know, listened to. And you don't actually need to agree with them, but you should want to listen to them to try to understand so that maybe if you need to update your opinion, you can. Or maybe if you want to help them update their opinion, 
they can too. Yeah, so this idea of um, diversity of opinions and thoughts and the fact that that includes people's propensity to lie was also something that took a really long time for me to wrap my head around. And I think, um, you know, Ben Thompson did a really, from Tratechery, did a really good job of defending Twitter as a quote unquote cesspool of misinformation and that it would be better off that it would left that way than the alternative, which is to, um, to use your example, some arbiter of truth to come in and to suppress everything other than what is accepted narrative. And what what Ben uh, used in an example is what it does is that it it raises the, the tide of all knowledge and all information. Yes, with that, it also brings forth information that is either counterproductive or just blatantly untrue, but it also gives the opportunity for people to be aware of that and counteract it with the truth or the knowledge that eventually wins out. Um, and I liken that to um, the idea of anti-fragile, right? So anti-fragile system that doesn't merely withstand the shock, but actually improves because of it. And so if you think about misinformation, disinformation and lying as shock to the system, then if it can actually improve because of it, that to me is the, the core tenet of free speech. Hmm. Look, one example here, um, is um, criticism culture versus cancel culture, which is sort of a thing I took from this. Criticism culture means that you should be able to push back on an idea and to help update the idea, and also others should for you too. Cancel culture is instead of trying to improve the idea or attack the idea, but I'm not sure I like the word, it is attack the person. Mm. And so this is, you know, ad hominem. So you just, you just take them down. And so to me, Many people are now very scared to speak publicly, um, which I think is a net regress. This is a form of totalitarian oppression. Um, you have people like, I can't pronounce his surname, Jay, I've forgotten his name from, from surname from Stanford, who is a tenured uh, you know, medical professor there, having a different set of opinions about what should happen during, for instance, lockdowns and literally being kicked off Twitter. So he's not allowed to have that opinion. Like to me, that's very dangerous and I think not good. So you want the right facts out there and then you want diverse opinions around what to do about them. Um, people, I think, should be allowed to discuss things. Can we have a discussion about whatever it is, you know, puberty blockers for 10-year-olds? Um, but even having a discussion can get you labelled as a transphobe, um, you know, and to me, that's not necessarily the case. You're just like, can we talk about it and see what's what and try to understand a little bit more? Um, and so to me, I think we've got to this dangerous place where yelling and screaming and cancelling is seen as not just okay, but a moral good for people who don't hold your opinion. Um, and so I really liked, and we'll link to this, the article talking about how people have been reverse cognitive behavioural therapy trained. Mm. And so... This is what has led to words of violence, individualizing cancel culture. People are literally trained that this is the right thing to do and that they have no qualms that not, that not doing this is wrong. And I'm like, no, no, I think we want diverse opinions so that we can have a good understanding of things and we are most likely to be able to update our views over time. And so to me, we've gone from that being good um, to this being bad. And I think if I try to go back, like Harvey Weinstein was a flog or is a flog. 
and shouldn't have been able to do what he was doing and should have been taken down. And I think it took part of a lot of people, you know, brave people standing up to get him, quote, cancelled. And Trump is not someone I like at all. I could never vote for him. You know, extraordinarily dangerous to democracy. Did a lot of lying and, you know, needed to be pushed back on. And I think some people, you know, like Fox News said, well, this isn't true, you know, and they knew it and then they didn't push back appropriately. Um, and so then these sort of, uh, these, you know, I think his reaction, like, oh, we've got this new tool called cancelling, you know, cancel culture. And we need to help, you know. And so there are certain places where I think more could have been done. For instance, you know, Weinstein earlier, Trump. But it's been taken, I think, to a place where net negative is being done. Where discussions about anything that doesn't agree with their... So, like, Trump's a flog, liar, trying to overthrow all of democracy. You know, Harvey Weinstein, you know, systematically sexually abusing people. Now, anybody who doesn't hold your opinion is cancelled with the same tools. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's very different to maybe have a slightly different opinion to what you think or to want to discuss things than it is to systematically lie and try to overthrow democracy or to systematically sexually abuse people. Those are two very different things, but they are basically treated the same way, evil and cancelled. And to me, this is not a net improvement for society. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try and pronounce it, but I believe it's Jay Batachara. Oh, here we go. Yeah, good one. <laughs> I've never uh, even tried. It's going to end badly. Go, go, James. I mean, I don't actually know if that's how you pronounce it, but it seems totally reasonable to me. Go, go, yeah. Okay, so um, another really cool model that um, Tim Urban has in his book is the, over, the, 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 the summary of what is, what should be, and how we get there. And so I think we're kind of on the same page in terms of what we're discussing today with what is and what is the overarching problem. And the problem seems to be that there is a trend towards um, the stifling of free speech. Uh, a, you know, a trend that is not wholly owned, but is kind of championed by this, this extreme um, ideological left, uh, which is what we refer to as work culture, uh, causing the um the liberty game to have you know a, a lot of challenges in us being able to maintain something where we can continually upgrade our operating system which is society what should be i think we also agree could be something that can amount to free speech but how we get there i think is also a really really interesting problem because what you've spoken about already today things like harvey weinstein weinstein donald trump is these people operated in the in the current rules of today's society and you know D donald trump to the best of our efforts still is a legal citizen who has not done anything illegal and so we seem to have a system that's being set up to not only propagate and allow for you know your own personal freedom that doesn't cause harm to others but it also allows for people to propagate this way of thinking like trumpism like wokeism that is threatening the very thing that it wants to promote so my my question is like if we've got a you know a media system or whatever else that allows for people like trump to thrive how do we think that we can actually help turn this around yeah, I mean, maybe looking at it from a slightly different angle. Um, you don't fight lies with lies. You fight lies with truth. Mm -hmm. You don't fight low-order thinking with low-order thinking. You fight it with high-order thinking. So Trump was effectively trying to break the system of justice to put in a system of power. 
you know, he wasn't having the rule of law. He was having the rule of um, revenge. Um, and to me, I think that, you know, a lot of people around Trump, like, what are you doing? And I think that, frankly, he's just knows that he's a power-hungry egomaniac, um, but he's got no problems with it. One of the things which worries me is I think that woke culture is power-hungry <laughs> egomaniac, but they don't think that. They think they are the solution. Mm. Um, so it is another system of, you know, rule of power, not rule of justice, you know, rule of law, you know. Um, and so to me, I have absolutely no problems with people pushing back. I think this is healthy. I think you want to have a positive sum discussion about almost all things. So there should be diversity of opinions about basically every topic. And so having them have their opinion about whatever it is, is good to me. What isn't good to me is trying to shut down other people having opinions or the discussion of opinions through this power tool called cancel culture that is yelled and, and all the time. So to me, this is where I think it needs to be slightly delineated. Um, I'm not saying that we don't want to improve whatever, classism, you know, sexism, racism. I think we do. I just am not sure that this approach is actually the net way to help with that. Mm -hmm. I feel that it actually might be doing more harm than help. To me, I think that having this woke side of things is allowing like the other side, you know, Trump, so they're both the sort of, I think, the left and the right, you know, operating in, in my opinion, low order thinking or in not positive some ways and negative some ways, which causing society to not go forward, but go backwards, like the division of it. Um, so to me, I'm talking more about how they think, not what they think. Mm. Um, and I feel that both of them have a lot of commonality in how they think, which to me is much more important. So again, I want diversity of opinions. We think, I think it's healthy. I think I've changed my mind about so many things and that I agree with some stuff from the left and some stuff from the right. If you agree with all of one party's things, that's not thought, that's a cult. You know, you are just a non-playing character going around, you know, socialized mind, repeating whatever it is, you're an autocomplete human. And so to me, yeah, this is, I think what's super valuable about what Tim's book has is the frameworks to think about this and to not divide you into, well, what is your opinion? Therefore, you must be with those who have those opinions. I'm like, this is not what I'm talking about. I wanna be in the camp of people who think in a certain way, not in a camp with people who hold all the same opinions. Mm. So it's not what you think, it's, it's how you think. Um, and this for me has been one of the core values that I've had ever since I became a parent, at least anyways. But when I decided, when I you know first had my two girls and you know they weren't at the level where they were reading yet and so they were just starting out figuring out how to do shit like eat and walk and and talk and stuff like that um like you do start thinking about what do we think should be a good model for these children to to grow grow up in and move through the world and i thought a long time about well chances are they're going to think very different things to me <laughs> i think quite different thing to my parents um you know the way they raised me um the world that they lived in and so the expectation i had was they're going to think different think what they think will be different so i don't want to try and control from that other than to give them the best opportunity to acquire as much you know of a good education slash knowledge as possible but what i did think was important was how they think and so this concept of being able to 
use, you know, Tim Evans' Tim Evans model of the ladder, which is starting at the bottom, you're thinking like a zealot, which is anybody who thinks other than the way I do is flat out wrong and needs to be ostracized. The next level up is the lawyer, which is I have complete vested interest in the outcome that I want and I will use whatever I can to get there, um, but I still will engage in a heated battle. And there's a sports fan, which is now up in the higher mind, but they want a fair fight, but they still have a vested interest in the outcome. And then there's a scientist. And the scientist is, I want to know what is objective truth. I don't have a horse in the race, but I want to deploy critical thinking in order for me to get there. And so this is where I think is, you know, the most important part of, you know, this discussion is when we're dealing with people, you know, like Trump, like woke ideology, that people are thinking in a scientific way. And it's very hard to pull them up into a field or west where we can say, we need to be able to have diversity of discussion and diversity of opinion in order for the real, the, the, the most constructive or uh, most useful one to win. Hmm. And the, this is one of the biggest challenges I can see in the world, which is, for me, I think, what people like the woke have conflated is diversity of opinion with actual threats to my safety. Because as you remember, he, um, Tim Urban outlined that the Liberty Games is basically, you have freedom to do whatever you want as long as it doesn't cause harm to others. Cause harm to others, the government will step in and put you in jail or take you away. And for me, what the wokes are doing are that they are conflating with actual real harm to my safety and actual thoughts that are different than my own at the same thing. And so this is where it becomes difficult because if you want to be able to express diversity of thought for them, that is, you want, you need to be willing to put yourself in danger. Yeah, I think this is just one component. Like science is just trying to move forward to have progress. Um, so to me, I think that you should be trying to update your opinions as much as possible and to help others update their opinions too. That's very different from this is the right opinion and anyone who holds anything different is wrong and evil and needs to be cancelled. So to me, normally you go into something and you assume, like, I don't know, something doesn't go right at work. I tell people to assume that it's 50% on them and 50% on the other, you know, whatever it is, party people as a starting point. And that normally leads us to finding out what happened, hopefully the root cause significantly faster and to moving forward. And so, I try when speaking to other people to be 50% of the time trying to update my opinion and 50% of the time trying to help provoke thought for them to update their opinion. And at the end of it, what if it happened normally is you've updated your opinion a little bit and they've updated their opinion a little bit too. Um, and so you're slightly less wrong and a bit more right. And so hopefully, hopefully they are too. And over time, you know, things shift around. Um, so to me, that's, I think, a much better approach, um, you know, to, to, towards what is happening. It's like, cool, I should be looking to update my opinions on things, not trying to force my opinion and adherence to the, you know, laws, aka like a religion or a cult, and then excommunicating, aka cancelling anybody who doesn't conform to this. And so free speech, they say, is the master value because it is the value which updates all other values. And if we look back, like, 
you know, for instance, I don't know, my mum finished school and the headmistress said that she thought all of the girls would grow up to marry rich husbands, right? And her father, I believe, said to her, women that know too much are a nuisance to their husbands. You know, this is in the 60s, right? And I met a guy, he was a great person, he meant well. You know, I certainly think that that opinion might not be necessarily what I hold as an opinion, but that doesn't necessarily make him a bad person. He was a person of a different time. Um, you know, the whole Bill Mayer, you know, yes, whatever, millennials, you're the most progressive you know, um, generation ever, just like every generation before you, right? And so to me, we have things that have shifted over time, lots, and I think we should expect that to continue to be the case. And so we want to be optimizing for diverse opinions to be heard and to be listened to in a respectful manner. And I feel that that's been going backwards. And not just that I think a lot of people would say that Trump is not great um, and that he's not actually good for democracy. But I think a lot of people would not actually say that woke isn't that and is not good for democracy. And to me, they are both not good for democracy. I'm not trying to pick one which is a, you know, a less good. I'm just saying both of them are steps to me backwards. But that some people would say that they're not woke, but then they would happily go and you know want to cancel somebody. And I'm like, if you want to cancel somebody for an opinion, you will fit the definition of what I call woke culture. Now, if you think that someone's got a fact that's wrong or a fact that's missing, and you want to cancel them for that as well, you also fit woke culture, right? You need to try to update the, you know, whatever, um, zeitgeist to be able to incorporate the correct facts and to incorporate things in the most positive some way, opinions in the most positive some way. And if you do that by yelling and screaming, you cause division. You know, if you do that by going and doing the you know, January 6th thing or by canceling people, you're, in my opinion, not helping with the forward progress of society. Mm. So one of the really interesting things about, you know, the, the, the Liberty Games, like it kind of still an experiment. You know, some people call the US the, the greatest experiment or the grand experiment because we're operating under this, um, this notion that free speech is, you know, an inalienable right and it is one that will give us the best opportunity to all improve, you know, quality of life, livelihood and, um, you know, things in general. So for me, one of the things that I'm wrestling with is, well, does that then suggest that Trump slash wokeism as a feature and not a bug of an open society, right? Because when you have an open society, we want to encourage diversity of thinking. Does that not include thinking such as the likes of Trumpism and wokeism? Now, one of the things I think is important that we do need to have guardrails because we don't want someone to get so far carried away that we, you know, regress into, um, you know, violence or, you know, outright wars like World War II and um, Nazism. But I guess if you can still have the foundational elements of an open society running and now some people would argue that that came very close to not being the case in the last election but as long as there is this open society i think there is like an argument to be made that having people who follow trump and people who adhere to the ideological left in terms of workism is actually important for us to have an open society because without these difference of opinions we're not going to be able to formulate a strong enough argument against those kinds of ideals. It's an interesting point, James, but I think 
look at it differently. Like extremism mm. normally isn't that useful. And to me, the core foundation, the core value is free speech. Mm -hmm. because it's a value which updates all other values. And so we need to have this. And so anything that is suppressing free speech to me is going backwards. And I believe that both Trump or the, you know, the extreme right and woke, the extreme left, are suppressing free speech. And then you end up in places like, whatever, Russia now or China. And so to me, these aren't healthy. You can't just say it, it all is. So to me, different kinds of speech, yes. Suppressing free speech. So different. You, do we want diversity of opinions? Yes. Do we want people stopping diversity of opinions? No. And I think you're conflating those two things. Mm. But to me, I care how you think, not necessarily what you think. Okay, how you think is, are you interested in having diversity of opinions or do you only want your opinion? And so to me, you can think you can see it. Like the Democrats or the left, sorry, I should not say the Democrats, they were suppressing certain things like opinions about a different thing to do for lockdowns. For instance, about suppressing Hunter Biden's laptop, which you know probably would not have helped Biden get elected. And so you can't say, well, it's worth it. You know, the, the means justify the ends. So you do not fight lies with lies. You fight lies with truth. And now when it's been fought for Canada that you lied and you did, you know, what I consider to be amoral things, you've lost faith. And now both sides don't trust each other. Do you know what I mean? So yep. this is not okay. And so to me, you know, I don't know, Twitter being, whilst not necessarily the largest <laughs> social network, probably considerably the most important because that's where all the people that make all the news and all the people that are, you know run all the companies are on, right? If they, for instance, have 99% of the donations going to the Democrats and they have a whole lot of bands, the bands that are uneven, onto the right side of things, you are suppressing speech. And so to me, that's not allowed. You, you want to have diversity of opinions. Um, mm. And so to me, this is supremely important. Um, I do think that free speech has been going backwards, driven both by Trump and that side, but also by woke culture. But I think that most people don't, in the woke side, like think that anybody that, for instance, questions whether or not there should be puberty blockers is a transfer. Like, no, 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 that's not at all the case. It's like, is this a healthy thing to do? Is this the best path forward? So some change is progress. Some change is regress. Yeah. So I think it was the one thing. You know, the stolen generation in Australia, they thought that was progress at the time. They were doing something they thought was helpful, right? Whereas it's very different, you know, the final solution was Nazis. I think a lot of people knew that wasn't. But with the benefit of hindsight, I don't think many people will think it was a great idea or it was progress, right? Um, so to me, yeah. Anyways, James, what are you going to say? Well, I, I think it's really important that we focus on this point and see if we can draw this distinction because we've been saying things like, I don't agree with what you say, but I'll fight to um to the death for your right to have it um and things like we want diversity of ideas and then at the same time you know you and i both don't think that having a you know cancel culture mindset is constructive but it's still a mindset and so there is i think a delineation that can be made between well particular behaviors that you could consider to be um immoral such as deception outright uh, manipulation, coercion, all of those different kind of, you know, elements like what the the left were doing with particular information, selective facts, all of those kind of things. I think that's different to someone who is operating under a blind ideology, who 
still think that their way is the truth and they're still you know operating under a mindset of this is what's best for the world however how they deploy that is in a very i think you know counterproductive way quote unquote cancer culture but i still think we need to have a world where we allow for that kind of thinking so that it can have this day in the sun to be you know in the boxing ring of ideas and get beaten up <laughs> get beaten around so i definitely think you know trump is different in some ways because i think he deploys a lot more malicious tactics or machiavellian but woke ideology even though they think the same way they have different strategies and in an open society i think you should allow for as much as you disagree with them woke people because we need to be able to strengthen arguments on the other side in order for there to be a compelling logical reason not to you know cancel someone just because they disagree with you or give people who are too young to even know who they are puberty blockers that makes sense yeah so I, I agree i think part of what this is trying to say is to put forward because these people are well-intentioned um mm. i don't necessarily think trump is well-intentioned as an example right um and they're trying to help so as an example do i think we should try to help with inequality yes do i think we should try to help with sexism yes do i think we should push back on sexual assault yes do i think you know all these things right i'm just saying is this necessarily the best approach to help with it well i am not sure right mm. um and so to me i think that this tool cancel culture you know which you know sort of originated the issue with, with harvey weinstein has now and and i think that was net positive because he was you know able to get away for decades it appears you know with ritualistic sexual assault which is completely unacceptable and turned it into a place where it is net not positive and but now people are so scared to talk up that it's taking over right and it's actually forcing blind adherence uh to these set of values which can't change and anyone who questions them gets excommunicated aka cancelled and so to me part of this it was taking over the media a lot of the mainstream media i've now like come to believe are well and truly taken over by these insurrectionists um you know social media twitter you know facebook etc and that this has meant that there are things that i thought were true like hunter biden you know that was the russians like there was far more you know or you know i don't know there weren't other ideas like i was supremely for lockdowns and with the benefit of hindsight i'm like well, okay well these people who had opinions i think should have been heard and that they were valuable opinions because some of these things you know and they shouldn't have been blocked um so anyways to me one of the net outcomes here is to try to have this is what my thoughts on the job to done of this podcast is is to have a discussion not about the opinions because that easily gets you locked into well if you don't agree with me you're evil and you're out but into the way that you discuss things and that what the right thing is so to me i think we are having the wrong kind of discussion and we're forcing ourselves down lower levels and that we want to try to get back up to the high order you know things where diversity of opinion is seen as a good thing where it's okay to hold a different opinion you know where that you know is not just not okay but actually healthy um and so to me this has been silenced and i think we can't sit by and do nothing anymore because the continuation of the existing trends leads to free speech gone which is a totalitarian society um which i think is not 
something that is a net win or certainly somewhere I would want to like to live. Yeah. So I think, you know, where you and I agree on is the what is and what should be. And where I think the, the most interesting discussion is around the how do we get there? Because what's gotten us to where we are today, um, you know, a lot of things that Tim Urban and yourself have pointed out, things such as mainstream media, where it appears to be more narrow casting, as Tim Urban um, would put it. And the incentives seem to line up a lot more for politicians to stoke the primal urges of our primal mind, because that's what will get people engaged more, as opposed to trying to appeal to the better angels of our nature through uh, open and critical discussion. So we have a, a you know, there's, there's, this, there's this huge challenge I see where I think, you know, Someone like Donald Trump, who may present himself as a, you know, a buffoon of sorts, I think has a level of intelligence to understand that if I cater to and trigger people's primordial instincts and their primal minds, I'm going to rile them up into um, a level of activity that's going to get me, you know, enough support to win, you know, the White House, which it did. The, the problem for me is, yeah, we, we need to try and figure out how we can raise the level of thinking back into, you know, the more open, diverse and critical evaluation as opposed to going back down to, you know, systemic survival instincts of you're right, I'm wrong, you must be, um, sorry, you're wrong, I'm right, you must be um, ostracized. Um, and so what I want to try and, like, I guess, pull apart is this idea that, well, we're still going in the wrong direction because it seems like there's a lot of institutions that have the incentive of pushing us down that way. You know, you, you look at the recent um, uh, controversy around Fox News and people like Tucker Carlson who will say one thing behind closed doors uh, that alludes to his concern being about the shareholders of Fox News, as opposed to the people that he promotes to have their best interests at heart in front of um, you know the public. So there seems to be a misalignment here. Like the incentive for people like Tucker Carlson and Rupert Murdoch is basically money. Like he admitted as much. He said it's not a matter of red or blue; it's a matter of green. And so we've got a problem where we have an open society that now seems to have structures in place that are pushing itself down the chain. Maybe like I'm not saying that like is Fox News contributed to this like definitely, um, but I think there are other things that are happening where it's not structures. It's just people think like insidious things look like an upgrade. Like masquerade is an upgrade, but actually a downgrade. And so there's a lot of things that have happened. So I like this article by Jonathan Haidt, um, which talks about how they believe that the changes, or he believes I should say, the changes have come from reverse cognitive behavioral therapy programming. And so I think people have been doing these things thinking they're helping, they're upgrading, when in actual fact it has been downgrades. So he talks about the three great untruths um, that have been programmed into people. Um, and I'll just read them now, I'll link the article. The first one is, they came to believe they were fragile and would be harmed by books, speakers and words, which they learned were forms of violence. So if you believe words are violence, then they can be violence, you know, you know, reason I have beholder or whatever, you know, react, reality is subjective. And so if you are indoctrinated into this, 
you come to believe this and you see this. So it, therefore, if words of violence, someone holding a different opinion to you, well, that is going to cause someone to commit suicide or something. I'm like, it doesn't, you know, growing up, mum would say, sticks and stones will hurt my bones, but words, sticks and stones will hurt, but words will never hurt me. What is, what is it? Damn it, I just mess it up big sticks time. Sticks and stones, they break my bone, but words will never hurt me. There we go. So that's great untruth one, and that's indoctrinated everywhere, right? And so to me, that doesn't have to be the case. Words can hurt you if you choose to have them believe they can hurt you, and words not so much, right? The next one is, they began to believe that their emotions, especially their anxieties, were reliable guides to reality. And so to me, your emotions can be very off and that you should not necessarily lean into them and have anything bad be justified and something that you were righteous for. And the third one, they came to see society as comprised of victims and oppressors, good people and bad people. And so they see that there are victims out there and that they need to help the victims and that they're oppressors. And if they cancel somebody who is an oppressor, they then feel momentarily better but then they go back to feeling like a victim again because there are all these oppressors and they go around hunting like a witch you know, uh, hunt for the next oppressor. And so these three great untruths, according to Jonathan Haidt, have been indoctrinated into people for the last 10 years, especially hard, and they are underlying tenets of the woke you know, movement. Um, and so this is how you think, you know? And so to me, if you believe these as truths, which a lot of people have taken, it means that the way you look at the world is very different. And so I think that, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is something that the left normally is very supportive of. It's been very good at helping dealing with anxiety, depression, eating disorders, all those other things. And they aren't necessarily aware that through the media that they have or through the, the you know, university lecturers or through the conversation they have, whether you're aware of it or not, there's always like a mindset that is part of it or what you have. And the underlying mindset of reverse cognitive behavioral therapy training has been prevalent AF. And this is the opposite of resilience training as an example, which is what they do for people that are going to the military. <laughs> um, and to me, has led to significant uh, downgrades in the way that we operate. And so to me, this is not talking about like, do you want to make society better? Yes. Is part of this, for instance, helping those at the bottom at rules? Yes, I think you should optimize society around lifting the starting point for those at the bottom. Should we be thinking about reducing you know, sexual assault? Of course. You know, should we be thinking about climate change? Of course right um it's just how are you in helping people think about the world and how are you trying to instigate that change if you're having them think about a world in a way that is net negative that isn't good and they don't know that they actually think it's a positive and if you are trying to have opinions updated through censorship or you know no free speech that's not good either but these things have been taken as good so i think the way they approach things the way they think has gone backwards. And that's what I'm trying to talk about here. Because I don't think most people understand that. Or and they say if you disagree with them or you want to have a discussion, that you're wrong and you're evil. Yeah. Yeah. I really found this article interesting as well. Um he 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 had three um like more pithy summaries of the untruths of what doesn't kill you makes you weaker, always trust your feelings, life the battle between good and evil. That was from the education. That's from the coddling of the American mind. That's not from this article. So that's not necessarily from the reverse cognitive behavioral therapy indoctrination. So that's a separate thing. Yeah. Well, like that. Anyway, um, the enumerations of the ones that you laid out, which is basically, but for me, what I find really interesting in these is these are what you think. And now they are directing how these people in university um you know think as a result of that if i think that 
what doesn't kill me makes me weaker, or if I think that words are violent, if I think that my feelings matter more than objective reality, and if I think that they're the simple matter of you know oppressors and victims or good and evil, then the way I think is going to be you know um, you know directed by that. So it's almost like you have to go two levels down to get one to, to come one level back up. We can't tell these people. You just need to be willing to put your ideas in a um, in an environment where they get you know openly cr criticized and tested because they already appear to be in a world where that very act is a threat or to my safety or to my identity or to the oppressed people that I am trying to stand up for. And so you've got this kind of like um, this schism in the loop where we can't even reach out to I them to say, that. sorry, Siri, uh, we can't you even say. You also meant to say schism, not schism. Schism. Look, look schism. I, I, I didn't correct you on Bill Maher or Jonathan Haidt, but anyway yeah. okay they're getting them both wrong <laughs> yeah. but i like i think what's what's happening here is we're dealing with a ideology or a mind virus that has put people right back down to the bottom of the hierarchy where it's a matter of survival and safety right different ideas are dangerous you know your feelings matter more than objective reality you know there are evil oppressors out there and you know these things are now starting to completely warp the way in which that people are thinking. So it's almost like before we can say like we need to think more like scientists is like we need to reverse the damage that this kind of uh, thinking has actually put on top of that as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so you know Churchill, the originator of all quotes, those who cannot change their mind cannot change anything. Um, to me, what this is, and maybe we should go into summary town, um, is an attempt to try to talk about what I consider to be a mind virus in you know, Richard Dawkins' things. Mind viruses spread and force adherence to an idea. They don't, so there's two types of things. Things which force you to believe whatever they believe or things that help you believe, figure out your own beliefs and update them. So to me, you know, indoctrination, forcing you to believe whatever we believe, education, helping you figure out what it is you want to believe and to be able to update those beliefs. A mind virus is the former. It spreads and it forces adherence to this. A religion, I would say, is that. Trump, I would say, is that. And woke, I would say, is that. And so to me, I'm not... So most of the overall ideas that the woke culture has or their goals, I think are noble and are meant to help the world. I just worry that the way that they've been gone about is actually making the world worse. And so if we are to try to push back on the mind virus, to have diversity of ideas, to have people figure out their own beliefs and to be able to update them and to change them, I think we need a different approach. And I don't think fighting them with a Trump style approach, you know, which is part of where they've come from, I think they're partially the reaction to that. But then I think, you know, part of where Tea Party was is a reaction to Obama. And then part of the Tea Party led to, you know, the alt-right and to Trump and other things, right? They're all the reaction. And what's the actual root cause? Like, I don't know, hundreds of years ago, right? <laughs> um, and so to me, this is really important. Not only do we need media institutions that are looking to be as, you know, fair and, and reasonable, like not, you know, you know, Fox News, but also, frankly, not a lot of the left uh, media. We also need to be having a discussion about how people think which to me is one of the antidotes to low-level thinking 
which can hopefully have people think, oh my God, there are perhaps better ways to put you know progress forward in the areas that I care about. And that this yelling and screaming and cancelling might actually be causing Trump to be more likely to be re-elected. You know? <laughs> um, and because I do not want Trump to be re-elected in case that's not clear. Like that man, you know, awful. Um, and so to me, okay, what is the thing? We need to talk about the value of free speech, but also the values through which we can talk to try to improve society and those that have been seen to be done well. And that perhaps, you know, so, so shutting down free speech and not allowing, you know, uh, thoughts that multiple opinions are actually good and that realizing some of the programming that's being done to you or to others um, as net negative, I think is important. So to me, that's the kind of main job that I was hoping to try to do with this podcast. All right, so the key summary is, I don't like Skittles. <laughs> but I think a fair uh, statement would be to say that my higher mind thinks it doesn't like Skittles, whereas my primal mind very much does. All right? If it, if it sees Skittles on the table, it's like, dude, dude, just like, come on. Like that's, that's a, a free slather of calories right there and you can eat that and then you don't have to worry about food for the next 24 hours. But the the takeaway from this is we as a human species have only just figured out in the last 200 years how to remove itself from the, the wider power game model into a more open and freer society, which we call the liberty games, where people basically have the freedom to do whatever they want so long as it doesn't harm others. And we seem to be in a uh, place today where certain forces are at play that is moving us back down the um, you know the lower rungs of thinking, closed-mindedness, um, uh, absolutism, etc. Uh, that's in danger of pushing us back toward more power game-like scenarios. So for me, I think you know the idea of free speech is a core tenet to ensuring that we maintain and we can stay on this path of the liberty games. And one of the key challenges of that is I actually think things like wokeism uh, are a feature, not a bug to that. Now, I do think some of the tactics that certain political parties have deployed over the last few years or decades even um, fit outside of that because they are not with the best of intentions or they're Machiavellian in their nature. But to give the woke their due, they are at least honest about their intentions. They at least think that they're on the right path. And that to me is an idea, just like any other that should be put in the arena for it to have its day in the sun. And for us to be able to do that, I think while I disagree you know, a lot of what they think um, and, and how they think, I think it's important that we actually have this discourse like what you and I've had today in a very you know, open and non-threatening way. So it's, I think, uh, you know, for us going forward, it's not about cancelling those who have ideas different to our own. It's not about making it impossible for us to be able to, you know, have things like wokeism rise again. But I think it's important that we maintain an area of critical thinking and the ability for us to put any idea forward for it to be, you know, evaluated in that way. Yeah. Cool. I might add one thing, which normally we don't do. I, I think some parts of workism are good, but I think some parts are very bad. Um, and I don't know if that necessarily came across there. Like, 
you should be able to have discussions about things which they do not want to have happen. That's what cancel culture is. So the core tenant that I think is poor about this is cancel culture and the people are scared to have discussions. And that is, to me, like the biggest part of what woke culture is and I think is very detrimental. And how do you push back at this? You cannot stay silent. You have to speak up in certain things because the more that you don't, the more that others don't. And so to me, part of it is that, but you don't actually need to speak up and say you don't agree with the overall goal of whatever it is, equality. Um, um, I said equity, I don't actually agree, but that's a different story of a different day. But you, you do need to push back on certain things like cancel culture and other stuff and put forward, hopefully, opinions that are you know, reasonable to be considered. And so to me, silence is adherence and is allowing them to take over uh, you know, and change from a you know free speech society to one where you have to you know follow the line, and that to me is very very dangerous. Silence, violence. <laughs> yeah, words are not violence. Silence is violence. <laughs> All right, thanks, James. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Cheers.